You may be seated. I mean, you can stand if you really want to, but it might get long. I'm not that long-winded, but thank you, worship team. My name is Patrick, as Pastor Steve said. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about who I am, in case you don't know who I am. Um, I get to do student ministries uh, here, which is 5th through 12th grade. I am married and have been for this month will be 27 years to a wonderful woman named Lori. So you can give her a clap real quick. We have two children, um, Brandon and Emma, and they decided to be really fun to double the size of our family, kid-wise, in June. So they both got married in June. But thankfully they gave us three weeks apart, so we had lots of time to prepare for everything. So it was awesome. It was a great month. Um, one to go down in the history books for sure. So, um, as I said, I get to do student ministries for the Open Door Christian Church. We do 5th through 12th grade on Wednesday nights, and that encompasses six different school districts that you are a part of doing the student ministries with us. That's your student ministries. You can get a clap for that. Come on. Six different school districts. That's, that's a lot of territory to come in. That's not dividing out middle school and high school and homeschool. That's just saying six different school districts. That's a lot of kiddos to chase around. I'm thankful that I have lots of help with that. Um, if you would please turn in your Bibles into the New Testament into Luke. We're doing chapter 19. Verses 1 through 10. If you don't have them and you do an electronic Bible, bring that up too. We're doing the NLT translation today. So let's jump in. So Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus Sorry, I should have a bigger print. I'm getting to that age. (laughs) He tried to take a look at Jesus, but was too small to see over the crowd. He was too short. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree beside the road as Jesus was going to pass that way. I'm going to stop there for a second and just... The Holy Spirit's just speaking to me and just uh, within that, um, I just really feel as though that's such an important statement that Jesus uh, was coming through town and Zacchaeus tries to come and see Jesus. He makes his way towards this crowd and then figures out that he can't see him. So he climbs up this sycamore fig tree so he could have a better vantage point to see Jesus. It was that important to Zacchaeus, who hadn't met Jesus, but knew a little bit about him. So let's continue on. Sorry for my little rant, but... um, So after he ran ahead, climbed the tree, sycamore fig tree... Beside the road, Jesus was going to pass by. 
when Jesus came by and looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people out of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So, anybody get through that and not go back to your childhood and start singing the Zacchaeus Wee Little Man song? (laughs) Yeah, some of you guys do that? Whenever I think of that interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus, that song starts to kind of play in my head, and I kind of go, that's not what it's about. (laughs) Zacchaeus being a wee little man. That's part of it. But um, So as we look at the text, I want you to circle or highlight or underline or make notes, whatever kind of things help you understand where we're going through this text today. I want to jump into verse 2, and it says, There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he became very rich. The thing that is important here, with Zacchaeus being a chief tax collector, is he had subordinate, or minions, I would call them, tax collectors, that would go to homes and collect taxes for him. You see, Zacchaeus, had, being the chief tax collector, he had responsibility to pay Rome back whatever the least agreement was for that area. So he could go and say, Minions, this is how much I want you to charge, $175, but yet he might only owe Rome 150 So each home is doing overages, and that just comes straight into Zacchaeus's pocket. Now, if they didn't have enough money to pay that, my mind starts to wander and goes, man, can't wash the dishes. What am I supposed to do to pay that bill? Well, maybe Zacchaeus said, hey, you guys, however you can get, whatever you can get, bring it back. So maybe these subordinate tax collectors grab some plates, grab some silverware, some nice linens, Whatever, maybe things that were family heirlooms. And that paid for part of the commission. Zacchaeus said, yeah, I'll take that. I don't have to furnish my home that way. So those possessions became the payment for the tax. And as I said in verse 3, there's just this genuine curiosity with Zacchaeus. I find that in a lot of our students as well. There's just genuine curiosity. Because Zacchaeus couldn't get his eyes on Jesus. So he climbed up a tree because he'd heard about him. 
And he wanted to see more of who Jesus really is. The important part of him climbing a sycamore fig tree is that a man of his status, chief tax collector, normally wouldn't climb a tree. If there was a crowd and he needed to get in, he had henchmen, some big thugs, that would just part the sea for him, if you will, part the crowd and get in. But instead, he was on his own, and he went up, went up this tree so he could see who Jesus really is. And we jump ahead into verses 5 and 6. We get to hear from Jesus, and he says, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay in your home today. Jesus didn't say, hey, can I come over? Can we hang out? Let's go to Applebee's later. No, Jesus is like, hey, I'm coming to your home today. I must be a guest at your house. Well, I don't know about you. It says Zacchaeus had excitement and joy. I probably would have a little heart flutter and some excitement and joy. But the other side of me would be like, man, is my home in order? Is everything at home? Like, yikes. You know, did I pick up my stuff? Did I, you know, did I do that for my wife? Or did I really make sure the mass is in order that way? And I also think of my soul and, and what interaction is this going to be with Jesus? Is, is what is my house, my soul in order? What does that look like? Man, I'd start to look through those things and think about those things as we're going. And, and I can't help but, but think that when all of this happened, God orchestrates appointments like this, these divine interventions with Jesus. And it is so incredible. And if you've ever had one, it's just this huge, beautiful collision that happens. And Zacchaeus was at that moment having one. When Jesus got to Zacchaeus' house, my mind starts to wander and I, I think of, you can tell I'm a youth guy, right? It wanders a lot. <laughs> I starts to wander and think, as Zacchaeus is maybe setting up for Jesus and, and Zacchaeus is going to break bread and have some supper, have some lunch, um, can't help but think, but the, the plates that they took for the overage from the Reeb family, that, that they were setting those down, and, and as he's setting those down, Zacchaeus is feeling this heaviness, this guilt. And as he grabs the linen cloths that he took from the Maxwells and and is giving that to Jesus to to wipe himself when he's done. And the cups that he took from the shorns and said, "Hmm, man, why did I do these things? You see, I think that way because that's that's how I would think if I was in Zacchaeus' spot. Because it goes on to say that if he's going to he's going to pay back the people that he stole from up to four times as much and four times as much is what you would typically pay back if you stole someone else's livestock or an animal and so those were prized possessions back then and so Zacchaeus is like yeah and then also he says before that he'll give half of his wealth I don't know about you, but I don't know that I could give half of my wealth in the tithe and offering bucket today. I've got bills to pay. 
But this guy trusts the Lord at that spot where he's going to be like, here's half of what I have. Boom. Done. No questions. Just did it. Anybody have anybody that you think is like a naysayer of you or that maybe talks negatively towards you? Maybe somebody that's displeased in who you are. I look at verse 7, and there's a bunch of people that are displeased as they grumbled about Jesus going to the home of this notorious sinner. Well, if you know anything about Jesus, he loved to hang out with sinners. He loved to do life with, with sinners and, and just loved to do life with people, build relationships. Verse 8 talks about Zacchaeus standing before the Lord and saying, man, here's half of my wealth. And if I took somebody's goods, so like the the plates and the cups, that's not the four times as much, but that could be 20% as much as what the value of those objects were. Obviously, Zacchaeus thought of these financial gains as theft. And he wanted to make it right. And so he promised to make it right for the amounts of the required theft that he had. Verse 9, As salvation came into his home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Jesus is saying Zacchaeus was a child of Abraham by descent, And now demonstrated that same faith that Abraham had. Zacchaeus is repenting of his sin. He is stopping in the direction that he's going. Turning his back on the sin and quickly going the other direction. We had a little youth group conversation about this a couple weeks back. Talked about... Stopping in our tracks, turning and quick marching and going the other way. Running from our sin. Turning our back on our old life and fully pursuing Christ. Verse 10 goes on to say, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You see, we as humans, we like to walk from a distance from God. We like to be like, that's close enough. I don't want to get too close to God because then he might make me do something radical because the Holy Spirit fell on me and all of a sudden I give half of everything I own. But Zacchaeus is all in. He's all in. He's, he's going, I don't care what the world says. They talk about me anyway. What better than to have Jesus? What better than to have this relationship piece going on? Maybe you're starting to think, am I tying the repenting and the turning and quick march thing or the Generation Z students that are out in the audience, the the youth that I get to work with? Maybe I'm tying those two together because Zacchaeus has a Z in his name and Generation Z. No, that's not why I tied them together. That's a good thought. 
That's not why I did it. I look at who Generation Z students are. And when I read about Zacchaeus, I can't help but start to overlap some of it. And that might seem kind of strange. But let me throw out a few stats to you and see if you can start to put that together a little bit. 35 of, 35% of all the youth in the United States think church is irrelevant and hypocritical. 35% of Gen Z students think that. Zacchaeus would have probably have thought that same way. That's why he wasn't in a church hanging out with those people. He was known as a sinner. 60% of people grew up, that grow up in Christian churches end up walking away. Are you willing to help me? So we can flip that around? 60% of the students today are going to walk away. This is a Christian church that I say, no way. Our students are flipping that script and saying, we're not going to be part of that 60%. We're going to lower that number and we're going to pursue Jesus. Do you know that 75% of U.S. Christian teens read the Bible only once a month or less? Once a month or less. How about you? How often do you read the Bible? I know when I came to know the Lord, that was a struggle for me. I don't like to read a lot. And finally, it's like I started to read. I just slowly got into it. It's something that God's word pours over us. And we have this great opportunity to know who he is and what he wants for us. Four areas Generation Z kids are driven by. Now, some of these might not have to do with Zacchaeus because the first one's technology. Zacchaeus didn't have technology, to my knowledge. Um, second one is social. Third one is purpose. Fourth one is faith. The four areas Gen Z kids are driven by technology. Number one, Gen Z is driven and dependent and addicted to technology. They are on their phones or look at a screen four plus hours a day. And those aren't the kids that are they're working on their uh, homeschool homework, typing papers. That's just pleasure, if you will. Looking at a screen has nothing to do with having an iPad for school. The social side of things, despite social media, the Gen Z students, 18 and under, feels more isolated than ever. They feel more alone and they're less connected. Their face-to-face interaction has declined over 40% since the year 2000. So in the last 19 years, almost half as much face-to-face interaction. Purpose. Personal success is super important to the Gen Z population. 60% of Gen Z Students will have three careers by the age of 30. Three careers, not jobs, not working at the Dairy Queen, not working at student study during college. 
not working at local pizza shop, but three different careers by age 30. Faith. Gen Z is unashamedly the least religious generation ever. Ever. 34% of Gen Z has indicated as excuse me, Gen Z has indicated that their religious affiliation is atheist, agnostic, or none. None. Does that start to scare you, make your heart flutter a little bit? Who's leading the next generation? It's got to be us. It's got to be us. To me, those are stats that I just go, I can't do that by myself. I get to be in charge of a youth program that sees, we saw almost 100 people last week, 5th through 12th grade. Those are pretty staggering stats to think of, and you start to put those numbers into our 100 kids. That starts to scare me. You might be thinking, how, how does this tie in with Zacchaeus, and, and what does that look like? What I'm trying to do is say, you know what, Zacchaeus had this social status. He was a chief tax collector. He could have anything he wanted because he could just tax somebody for it. And if not, he had the money to go out and buy it. This story ties in with Generation Z students from the point of some of them will strive for those careers. That that's all that they worry about. Some will just want to be ordinary, normal, working people, but still leave this void of not having Jesus. There's this generation in this church that I have seen that desires to stop, turn, and go the opposite direction and pursue Jesus. Are you willing to help me with that? Willing to jump in and and dive in from the little kids all the way up? We get to discover some hard truths about people when we read this interaction about Zacchaeus. Because whether it's the people judging or Zacchaeus going, whoa, this is what it's like to follow Jesus. I see all these things when I read Luke 19. Zacchaeus also wasn't looking for relationship, or excuse me, for religion. He was straight up looking for a relationship. And that's what I see the Gen Z students doing. Our students are always asking me, can I get more time with my small group leader? Can I get more time with my small group leader? You see, we've got about 25 small group leaders that students get to pair off and, and meet with, and they absolutely love that time. They have found that having this relationship with Jesus needs somebody to help lead them. Somebody to ask questions to, to text them at midnight, one, two in the morning. Not that your kids are on the phone at that time, but just in case. Maybe. Probably just didn't send right away. But their hearts are starting to be pierced, as Peter alluded to in in Acts 2. And I really think that there's no time than the better to turn from our sins, turn to God, repent and be baptized. Move in that direction. We've got baptism today. 
We've got four stations you guys can go get some prayer at. I'd encourage you, if you think the Holy Spirit's talking to you and saying, you know what, I need to repent. I need to turn and go the other way. Get up out of your seat and move. Go to one of those prayer stations and pray. We'll have some students up here if there's students that want to pray. If not, we'll have adults at those stations as well. Come on up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the interaction you had with Jesus and Zacchaeus that we can look at and tie in with the generation that is the one that's struggling the most with the face-to-face interaction, that they can see this relationship happening in face-to-face conversations. Father, I'm grateful uh, that we've got such a fantastic church body that loves the students. Father, I pray that if there's somebody in here the Holy Spirit's talking to and says, I need to repent of my sins, turn and go the opposite direction, that they get some prayer from one of our pastors, one of our prayer corners, that they just get face-to-face with them, turn and go the other way. Father, I'm grateful for, uh, for this opportunity. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.